Aalto University Podcast. This is Cloud Creatures. I'm Tommy Kauppinen. Now today, uh, I want to ask you, Teresa, how are you doing? Where are you now? Hello, Tommy. I'm fine, thanks. I'm in Italy right now. It's really sunny outside. It's actually like 15 degrees, <laughs> so it's nice. Excellent. And and in Italy, where where in Italy exactly? I'm I'm in Trento. That's a city in the north of Italy. And Trento is really beautiful because we have uh, very high mountains, and we are like underneath the mountains, so we can see the snow. But we also have the sun, and it's a bit windy and it's chill. It's really nice. Amazing. Amazing. I have to visit uh, Trento one day. I've never been there, but yes. one day. Let's see. Yes, you should. Hey, um, I, yeah, let's, let's plan. Um, hey, can you, uh, Teresa, can you please share to listeners about yourself, like your activities, your background and everything? Yes. Uh, yeah, not everything, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, like of pretty. course. Uh, I have a bachelor degree in psychology from the University of Milan Bicocca and uh, I switched to human computer interaction that is actually UX design for my master course. I wanted to um, get closer to computer science because I want to get to, get to know uh, this enormous technological innovation field and human interactions with technologies. Right now, so I'm in my second year of uh, this master course at the University of Trento, and I'm almost done with my course, actually. <laughs> Currently, in these months, I'm gathering some extra credits from the School of Innovation, that is an interdepartmental school from the University of Trento, where I'm learning a bit more about management, marketing, businesses and companies in general, because I feel like I have this gap in my knowledge. <laughs> of course, I have a very strong psychological, human-centered vision. So that's why my final goal is always to satisfy user needs and problems in general, not my projects. So I still remain a psychologist, but with a computer science vision. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I, I love that multidisciplinary, like like you are covering so many fields and and, and learning so many disciplines at the same time but um it, and this is exactly why I, I'm so happy to, to have you here um joining me for this episode because I would like to have a deep dive with you like uh what are the exactly the skills we need to develop and um how does the um future look look like and you are so super active uh, in many many ways um you are an active developer student and you are also hackathon winner. So, so um, how do you see uh, the world now, um, your local environment in Italy and what students want to learn? And, and also perhaps I mentioned about your hackathon um, winning solution as well. Yes, of course. Um, so actually, uh, to respond to your question, we are super lucky because with my uh, colleagues, we started like a research about this topic uh, because we ask teachers and students what are the main problems in schools and in general with, with learning because we are creating a startup about the project I'm going to explain, the, the one we won in, uh, in the hackathon. So um, a girl we interviewed um, from high school, actually, gave us amazing insights about what you ask. So like environment in Italy and problems in general with high school. Um, and she said that uh, in her opinion, schools are um, too generalized, uh, meaning that in or they are constructed, constructed in order to fit everyone. So students feel lost sometimes uh, because they no, do not find a clear passion or a specific interest to follow. So for these regards, I would say that an amazing uh, starting point would be like to give the students the opportunity to choose their their own courses starting from high school and letting them uh, clear their own path uh, 
just to create their passions and uh, soft skills because they are super important for their future career. And she, the girl we interviewed, she also says that sometimes professors do not raise interest for their subjects and they feel uh, make students feel alone while studying. And that's a pity because if you think about the professor, uh, they should be like these professional roles who um, have a lot of knowledge to share. But in some cases here in Italy, I don't know. <laughs> in Finland, but here in Italy, in some cases, students do not grasp exactly the concepts underneath the like, lessons or classes. And for these reasons, uh, we created the, the project we won at the Hackathon that is called Hachi. That means B in Japanese. <laughs> Later I will explain why. <laughs> hey, wow. <laughs> so... First of all, I don't know if uh, the listeners know what an hackathon is. Maybe yes. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it was the digital education hackathon. Yes. The EU organized uh, hackathon, but which year was it? Twenty twenty one or? Yes, twenty twenty one. We won that one. Yes, because then they uh, stopped the um, this year twenty twenty two, and they will come back later. In this September 2023, so I'm really excited. <laughs> yes, so this year. Uh, the hackathon is like a, a challenge uh, that a university or a company proposes, um, and these challenges uh, need to be completed in a certain period of time. The DJ Duak was like actually 24 hours of challenge, and um, we participated to the DJ Duak 2021 just to have fun and to collaborate as a group. And the main themes were education, uh, digital education. And that's why we thought about the problems we knew about um, students and learning. And uh, so our solution rotates around the concept of helping students, people in general, to visualize abstract concepts and ideas thanks to augmented reality. In particular, we created uh, hexagonal cards with uh, AR codes, that is like a QR code above them, that gives the possibility to visualize something through an app, like an iPad or a smartphone. Uh, students can create concepts thanks to these cards because they can visualize something and then they can make the cards interact um, between them. So for example, in 24 hours, my uh, computer sci the computer scientists in my group created like um, two color balls. One was the blue and the other one was the yellow. And the interaction between those cards was uh, the green, of course. And if, you, if we look at the future, uh, we could do amazing things with, the, with these cards because augmented reality is like at the starting point nowadays. So in the future, it would be it will be really used. And with these cards, you can really create whatever concept you want. Like you create ideas in maths, physics, uh, chemistry, astrology, history, and so on. So thinking about students and the problems they have, we wanted to uh, enhance creativity and critical thinking and that are really important skills related to active explorative learning. And the name, like uh, looking back at the name that it's Hachi, <laughs> that's, that's B. We gave the project this name because the, the B lives in a hive and the hive is a mix, uh, is a sum of hexagons. So that's why we call it like that. Ah, wow. <laughs> yes. That's a beautiful, beautiful name and a beautiful story. <laughs> yes. Um, hey, may I ask about the cards? So how, how do they work? So you have uh, different colors. So... Uh, blue and yellow, you mentioned. So do you have uh, that's, uh, different concepts, different color cards, or how does it work? And then you combine them, or how does it work? Uh, actually, in 24 hours, we couldn't do that much um, creation and design because we thought about having just 3D models for the um, augmented reality. Uh, that's why mm -hmm. in online, you can find easily 3D models of balls. Uh, but in general, the idea is to have a lot of concepts and 3D models and design uh, 
that we can code uh, in the card. And they can be, so the idea is that the cards can be recorded with other ideas and the interaction between them can be um, chose by the teacher who uses the cards, for example. So we thought about different uh, concepts, for example, chemistry. If you have uh, three cards, like two uh, hydrogen and uh, one oxygen, you can mix those three cards and create water, of course. Um, but also, okay. uh, we thought about uh, history, for example. If you have one card uh, with a character, one card with a date or a year in a certain period of time, and for example, a city or a country or a place, you mix the, these three cards together and something happened. So history is uh, finally concrete and maybe students can learn it like mm -hmm. easily because I was one of uh, the, the students that had problem in history, just remembering everything. <laughs> <laughs> Characters in I countries. I think we all had, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a challenge. Well, not all. I mean, the, so yeah, some people had some people. Uh, always remembered everything, but um, but yeah. I, I prefer this kind of larger uh, concept and seeing the big picture, and then then I can remember. This is uh, this is brilliant. So um, learning is so much uh, about finding connections and finding linkages between different things. So exactly your that. solution sounds like it's going exactly to the right point. Uh, thanks. <laughs> We're working on it. Uh, we created like a startup in this school of innovation I was talking about, and. That's like a very, um, how to say, like a safe space where we can uh, try to be entrepreneurs and uh, work mm. on this idea, like without losing money or without losing time, because we are still students, so we can try it out. Mm. That's amazing. Is it like a space where there is like other startups as well, so can share resources and, and discuss or? Yes. Okay, wow. Is it possible that uh, there is like a merger of several startups suddenly or are there other startups working on augmented reality solutions in the same space or at the same time? Um, I don't know, because the School of Innovation is uh, for students to learn how to build a startup. So you actually it's a competition. So we are not ah. like sharing resources, but at the beginning we had to create groups. So we were like 80 people and we uh, shared ideas. For example, we shared our project Hachi and we uh, we were three people and we needed to find other three people. And one of them needed to be like um, uh, international, like from EIT. Uh, another one needed to be from business study and so on. So the group should be heterogeneous. But our startup mm. is actually competing against other uh, startups ah, okay, in this learning okay, I process. See. So it's, <laughs> I see. It's fun. So not yet time for collaboration <laughs> with the others. Um, yeah. It can happen actually because yeah. yeah, in the same room you find friends and you speak with them. But in general, it's a competition. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Hey. Um, yeah. There is always time for collaboration, then time for competitions. It's uh, competition is of course uh, bringing some excitement, but then collaboration. I mean, it's it's a it's a careful balance between the two. Um, but hey, I, I would like to ask you about um, about your uh, views about augmented reality and online learning and and all virtual communications. Um, Because I remember in uh, Brussels where uh, you were attending uh, the workshop <laughs> I, was, I was running um, about the redesign of the digital education hackathon. So um, so you mentioned a lot of um, very interesting um, things there, like about, um, about uh, the use of uh, virtual platforms, online platforms, and, and uh, which platforms people actually use. So can you share the listeners about your views about those like how do you see what works currently as of today um, in the world when it comes to virtual communication and uh, how do you see I mean the future will look like 
Well, um, we have a lot of concepts here, starting with uh, augmented reality that nowadays works. We know that it works because it's innovative and it's easy to use. It's not um, really cost effective and it works because it's a mix of physical and virtual environment. So it remains in the world and you can um, visualize augmented reality through your device that's Everyone is used to use your own phone or iPad, so that's why augmented reality is easy. But then coming to um, online learning and virtual communication, they work for other reasons. For example, because with online learning, students can like keep up uh, with assignments, revise lessons if necessary, and if the professor recorded them. Uh, but I think that online learning works only if the professor really know how to organize the virtual space, <laughs> uh, really know how to upload uh, files, documents, uh, recording and so on. Otherwise, it's like a waste of um, innovation, I mean. And mm -hmm. regarding virtual communication, I think they are necessary. We saw that we saw that they are necessary just in the pandemic period, and now we are continuing using virtual communication, and it's a way more efficient way of communicating, um, respect to like emails or messages, messaging in general, and mm -hmm. it's quick and gives the possibility to be present in the same space, even. If you live abroad, like for example, me and you today, we couldn't do like this mm -hmm. podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> remaining Absolutely. in Italy. I've never been to Trento, and you have never been to Finland. So, exactly. I mean, things can be of course organized, but then this is now happening just so super fast. I mean, just opening the uh, connection link, and then then we are ready to record. Exactly. Um, Hey, uh, you, I mean, all the three that you mentioned, I'm sorry for asking so many <laughs> questions kind of in the same packed question, but uh, you mentioned about online learning. Can you give some, um, some example or two for the listeners, like, um, about an example online course that doesn't really work or and then perhaps an example of, of another course that, that works well? So what kind of design principles? Uh, help to make successful learning experience for students? That's a very good question because I'm currently attending some online courses like on the Udemy or Udemy platform. I don't know the exact name. That's like a mm -hmm. uh, platform where you pay to um, attend these courses. And I can say that Uh, it works because it has gamification inside. So you have like a to-do list with concepts uh, divided into sections. The sections can be divided into topics, if possible, or into like weeks or days. So in the first week, you should do this and that. In the second week, you can go on with other topics. And that actually really works because it gives you timestamps to follow and a to-do list to check. <laughs> so that's really nice. You, you watch the video, mm -hmm. you do assignments, and then the, the box is checked. It's really nice. And you can move on easily uh, without getting blocked. Also, um, other thing that works are the um, communities created on these online platforms, because you know uh, you can write on the chat or on the forum and somebody else answers to you. Um, maybe the professor who's attending the lecture, the uploaded lecture, but also other students that have the same problem you have. And that's really nice. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. The important thing is, as I was saying before, is not leaving students behind. So professors or um, people uh, who created these type of courses should um, take care of the students and should listen to which type of problems users have and do not forget that um, maybe there is someone who's a bit uh, late with assignment for some reasons or who is on the other side of the world and is attending your course uh, with 
different time zones and Mm-hmm. So the connection with people is really important. And um, also online courses can be completely offline, meaning that uh, teachers can upload videos and you can watch them whenever you want. But they can also be um, like on Zoom, so you can attend not in presence, but you can be there with the professor and you can ask questions and you can um, feel like you are following a real lesson, even if you, even though you are at mm-hmm. home. And yeah, I found some tools that works really, really well on online, also in class, but online uh, in online courses, it's better. Like, for example, the Mentimeter or mm. like tests or questions, interactive tools that are super nice and make you feel like interacting with the professor. Uh, that's nice. That really creates engage and help you learn and be present. <laughs> Stay focused, at least. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Crap your attention. Um, does it, um, you mentioned Mentimeter. Uh, is there a difference from your point of view, like whether it's used online or in a classroom? Or is it the, is the same experience? Or can you <laughs> find what is the difference? Um, I think it's kind of the same experience because also in class you are uh, answering through your phone. So you are alone with your phone mm. and you see the results on screen. The only difference I can find is when the professor set, uh, sets the Mentimeter uh, as a challenge. I don't know if you used that before, but mm-hmm. every question has like a correct answer. A Mentimeter takes the, um, the time in which you respond, so it creates like a rank, a ranking list. Mm-hmm. And the ranking li- list really works if you're in presence. So if you are with your colleagues, you're trying to respond as fast as you can and you see the ranking list appear and <laughs> you all know you're the first one or the second one. And you also see uh, your colleagues were positioned in the ranking list. And if this um, ranking list is presented online, it's not really effective because maybe you don't know the other people attending the course with you. And that mm-hmm. uh, like uh, has not the same effect as in presence, for example. You know, the challenges mm-hmm. are really motivating sometimes, uh, especially if you are with your friends. <laughs> And if you yeah, want to of, be the of first, course. <laughs> of course, yeah, and and that's I mean you want to win, I mean, exactly, that's for sure. But yeah, and it, it, yeah, that sounds fascinating because you 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 really see the others, right? And in online environment, you don't. I mean, you don't feel the presence of the others exactly so deeply, right? Yeah, yeah I also um, had the chance to be present in two type of um, Zoom meeting, for example. The first one is where everyone has uh, their camera shut down. And the mm. other one, the other case is where everyone has their camera on, like me and you today. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this has a really, really, this, this is like, this has the big difference. So having your camera on, everyone should have their camera on during meetings because it's really effective and it helps you mm. to stay concentrated and seeing that the others are following the lessons with you and um, have focus on what the teacher is explaining is really uh, effective. It's actually the same feeling you have when you're following an online course like in a library you're alone with your headphones and with your computer, but you know that everyone around you is studying. So that helps a lot <laughs> to stay focused. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, if totally. everyone has like their camera off, it's uh, really annoying because it seems like you're listening to a podcast that maybe is not really interesting because it's a lesson. So it's not a podcast. And 
That's yeah. a pity. Sometimes. Yeah, and of course, there are different podcasts like <laughs> like this one that we yes. are now recording. Because I mean, if I mean, I'm, um, I mean, we know those lectures and podcasts that are like monologues that somebody is just um, yes. just um, sharing a story and might be good one as well, of course. But then, if it's a too long story, then um, then <laughs> it might might start to be kind of boring. Yeah, it really depends. If it's actually only theory, theoretical materials, mm. then uh, it can be boring. It also depends on the on the hour, like in the morning or in mm. even, it, at the evening. Like, <laughs> really depends. Yeah. Thanks for sharing the insight. Because what I'm hearing now is that that what I what are you saying is that that human connection is the key in learning. That you you have the feeling that there is. Other people there as well, learning at the same time, sometimes competing, sometimes collaborating. There is somebody, I mean, the, the educator that is caring about that, that people are learning and that they are not left behind. So it is the human connection. Yes, that's really, um, really important. Is it the same? Um, because I, I remember you were saying um, about emailing, that emails people don't nowadays email so much of course we still see a lot of emails but uh but it's all these other social media platforms that people are essentially using for communication so how do you see the balance uh, for yourself is it like 80 20 80 percent like all the other platforms and 20 percent emailing these days or how do you communicate with other students and and uh, in the university or with your new startup colleagues? Well, with my colleagues and university friends, we use um, social media like Telegram or WhatsApp. And we follow each other on Instagram so we know what they are doing in their <laughs> free time. It's like a, it's an intimate relationship, if I can say that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but with Professor, we uh, use only emails. And um, it's okay. I mean, of course, it's a formal relationship and it should uh, remain like that. But sometimes the professor like takes uh, a lot of time to respond, like 10, 15 days to respond. And you are, you are feeling very, very left out. And you don't know if they've seen your email, if they are trying to... Um, look for a good answer maybe you asked something about um, resources book articles I don't know um, I don't f I don't think that messaging with the professor is uh, great because it really depends on the relationship you have some um, younger professor uh, actually gave us their telephone number because they wanted to create like a a group where um, he or she can send us like messages. For example, if the classes um, were cancelled for some reason, you can send a message and you know for sure that the students are going to read it, read your message. Otherwise, emails are okay. They are formal, as I say, as I said. Mm -hmm. But. <laughs> I'm thinking about um, fast messaging, uh, Zoom meeting, and uh, emails. I think every communication has its own meaning. That means um, if you have something um, small or short to say, an email is fine. If you have something like um, more important and long to discuss, you are going to choose a Zoom meeting or in a meeting in presence. Yeah, face-to-face -face meeting. Face-to-face -face <laughs> meeting, yeah. Yeah. Having like um, a Telegram chat or a WhatsApp chat with the, um, the professor, sometimes it's meaningless because um, you don't have any, anything to say to the professor unless it's urgent for some reason or you are conducting research with the, this professor or you mm. have um, a meeting to attend together, I don't know. But in, um, in general, if you are just attending their course, instant messaging, it's not the best solution. <laughs> I would advise Excellent. to hey. 
I, I would always advise to be present and go speak with them mm-hmm. if you if you need something or if you have problems. That's always the best mm-hmm. solution. Yes. <laughs> Sounds very good. And and all the listeners who are professors, please reply emails. Yes. <laughs> Faster than, you know, in, in 10 days or 12 days or whatever. I mean, I mean, can can it be? I mean, if um of course people get a lot of emails, but then um then it should be considered as a super important like priority one to to answer crucial questions from coming from students wouldn't it because i mean that's yeah. um you know they are <laughs> they are there waiting and they, it, it's it doesn't sound fair to wait like um two weeks i mean i remember when i was student i was i also was i still remember those professors who never <laughs> replied i still remember like those names and face come to my mind which is uh, a bit sad. <laughs> yes. But then I also remember those uh, professors who replied super fast that, yeah, of course. Um, hey, join me. Can you um, visit my office um, the other day and let's talk about it? And, exactly. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Yes. And for mm. questions, as I said, it's better to confront them, maybe after a lesson or or so on, if if possible. Otherwise, mm-hmm. on some learning platforms, there are like forums where you can ask questions, and mm-hmm. they are like best space to ask questions regarding the course. But you should be um, like you should know that the professor is currently looking at the forum. Otherwise, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not uh, what you wanted. Like I mean. If you write on the forum and the professor doesn't see, doesn't look at the forum so often, it's yeah, useless. What is the point? Yes. Yeah, there, there should be, should there be like, um, like timestamp, like when the professor was last time seen there? Yes, I think that's the, the best idea. <laughs> it should be. And then, yeah. And it's like compromising between having many, many emails from students and having a forum. I mean, you delete these emails you receive um, mm. yeah, in your email thread and you just look at the forum and respond to the students there. Mm. It can be a solution. Absolutely. And it's also more practical because then everybody else can also see the exactly. discussion and the answers. And, uh, yes. Um, hey, I want to, uh, Teresa, I want to ask you a tricky question. So, um, how do you think, um, how do you think about the future? Like, um, let's say we go, I mean, how, how, how long, how far away should we go? Like 30 years from now, 2050. <laughs> so, uh, how do you think the future will look like? How the university will look like in year 2050? And how, how, how should it look like? Like, what is a dream? University of of Teresa. <laughs> wow, that's a difficult question. Just because <laughs> I cannot really imagine what awaits us in the future in terms of technologies and innovation. We don't know uh, how the learning system will have changed and which type of technologies we will have. But if I have the possibility to dream, <laughs> I would say yeah, you that can dream. <laughs> you, you can decide. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I would say that the mix of um, artificial intelligence and uh, human professors would be excellent because, I, as I, we said before, I strongly believe in human contacts, so we should keep it. Uh, there, there should be a human professor in front of us uh, that should have empathy with us, so trying to understand if we are there with our minds. Uh, but also we should have artificial intelligence as a support for the, both the students and the professors just to have additional additional informations, updated informations that maybe the professor doesn't know about. And um, But also artificial intelligence can be used in um, learning platforms uh, in order to help teachers and students um, follow the course, upload documents, remember something they can forget or 
just to relieve cognitive load, also in presence, mm. because sometimes university can be really stressful, both for students and teachers. And maybe um, this type of stress can be relieved in certain occasion by artificial intelligence. And I don't know. <laughs> We should see. That sounds, no, sounds fantastic. And uh, would that also solve the emailing problem? Because yeah. I mean, now the AI would uh, answer immediately or in a few seconds, like, yes. okay, of here course. are the articles you should uh, check out. And, <laughs> and also, um, if we see at the 2050, like in 30 years, um, I believe that in 2050, teachers will belong to my generation, so 50 years old people, I think, oh. or younger, if they are True, young yeah. teachers. So, <laughs> professor Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will not be a professor. <laughs> I don't know, maybe an advisor, but I'm not sure. Yeah. And so if uh, my generation will be a teacher, teachers and professors in general, I hope that they will have learned something from today's classes and uh, mm. maybe they could improve their own methodologies uh, to like um, eliminate or decrease the little defects we have today, hopefully. Like we should mm. learn from our experience and <laughs> with the help of technology and innovation, um, university and classes can really uh, become effective, like, Uh, without, I don't want to say without books, but something related to learning by hearing and also re um, retrieving information, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, a holistic uh, approach, like the balance. Yes, exactly. discussions, um, listening, learning by doing, perhaps applying exactly. the theory. Exactly um, that. Will there be? What do you think? Will there be holograms in 2050? So hologram teachers? Uh, maybe, yes. I hope that there will be research about holograms because mm. um, holograms can be s seen as similar to Zoom meetings, for example. So the professor is not really there. But it really depends on how they will be created, meaning that if the hologram um, really represents a person with skin and bones, mm. maybe it can be effective. But if the holograms um, will be like what we have seen in the movies, like these uh, blurry images, blue blurry <laughs> images, I'm not sure they're going to work. Like. Zoom meetings are the same, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine, but it's uh, it's only a substitute for the real physical. Exactly. Yes. Presence. Yes. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, hey, another tricky question. Um, um, so, um, can you share uh, some turning point in your studies life? Something that made you think differently? Yes, of course. Um, there was a certain point during high school where I completely changed my approach about learning and attending classes. And this approach uh, I found during um, this summer break between the second and third year of high school is what I am actually um, having right now with school and studies. Um, before that period, so before that summer between the second and third year of high school, and so in middle school, I was the typical child who studies uh, just to pass the exam. <laughs> and <laughs> the minimum grade here in Italy is uh, a six out of ten. I don't know where you live, uh, but here you have to... Mm get a six to pass the, um, the class and I always I was always between five and a half and six and I just did the bare minimum to get the six and that was it uh, but that summer before starting the third year of high school something happened 
And I understood that I was not the students my professor were talking about. So I was not uh, the girl who does not want to study and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I changed my attitude. <laughs> and I worked in order to change everyone's um, perspective towards me because that's really important. That was really important for me to just not be seen as the one who doesn't want to do anything. I didn't like that. <laughs> And so I started to redeem myself from the bad reputation and started to studying from my own learning and uh, my own career and university. If I have to think about that specific period, um, like I was 15, maybe I, I felt older, I don't know. But the point is that I had older friends that were completing their final exams in high school that in Italian is called maturità. It's like maturity, but uh, it's like the final exam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were passing with really good grades and they were starting university in that September. So I thought that I could be like them too. They were like really acculturate and they know a lot of stuff. And so I wanted to passed that final exam with a really, really good grade. And I started studying and paying attention in class. And I think in this case, for high school um, students, intrinsic motivation is always the key. And sometimes in middle school, you are, you are, you are in this very difficult period called, called pre-adolescence, where school is not like your main point because you have social mm. moments to attend <laughs> but teachers and parents for example can try to grasp attention of the child and try to inspire the children with novelty innovation and also a clear idea of uh, what could be our future self the perfect self what type mm. of job do you want to do what type of um, university what do you want to attend and we need to um, dream big like do you want to go on the other side of the world do you want to um, learn a different language and that really motivates students just because they are not uh, they know that they can move and they can be whatever they want and that's what changed in me. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing. Beautiful story. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, that was, uh, that was um, yeah, I mean, now, now you, when you say it, it's, uh, it makes totally sense. But uh, that, was, uh, that was super beautiful. So uh, it was uh, examples from your friends, but then, then I, then a lot of careful thinking also. So you must have been thinking a lot in that summer. <laughs> yes, I was there uh, on the beach thinking, why do I want to get every time a five and a half or six as a grade? What, where yeah. I'm re literally, literally not studying anything more than that. I can do way, way better. I can just pay attention in class and see where I go from there. And just paying attention... I was really learning and then when I was at home it like sometimes it's easier for you if you pay attention to study alone at home mm -hmm. it really depends on the child but I was lucky in that case and um, it was really hard to make to change my professor minds because you know if you are um, a professor or a teacher you sometimes classify your students in boxes mm. <laughs> and uh, you try to not have prejudice, but it's impossible sometimes. So I was the girl who got always five and a half or, or six. So <laughs> I worked really, really hard to higher the bar. So I, uh, in the fifth grade, in the last year of high school I got to um, get like eight or nine out of ten and I was extremely happy because that was my true self wow and when I found my true self like an eight or nine person let's say I was extremely happy uh, 
that's why uh, right now I'm good at studying because I know where I can get, I know where my limits mm. are, and I know how to be realistic. That's that's amazing. <laughs> did you did you also um, learn how to learn how you personally learn yes. things and. Uh, So how how was it? What how do you learn? That's no, I'm really, super curious. Yeah, that's really hard actually because I remember my mom uh, tried to uh, teach me how to learn, and it was that period in the middle school where I was like in autopilot mode. I didn't care about school, <laughs> <laughs> but um, in in the last year of high school. I started to looking for a method. Obviously, it's different from uh, classes. Like, for example, history has in its own method, maths and physics has their own method. And at a certain point, I found the one that worked best for me, just trying and trying and trying. And for example, uh, right now at the university, in the bachelor for example, that's uh, pretty theoretical. I just like read the book, read the slides uh, and listen to the professor while he or she explains something, take notes. And then I try to put all together in a big resume and then try to um, revise the resume, writing another small resume, like in um, bullet points and revise the bullet points, try to remember what the teacher said in class. So I have like the whole matter in my head. I try also to visualize mm. things, but that's for theoretical mm. lessons. While for practical lessons, like um, if we have uh, experiments in lab and um, experiments in psychology to learn, for example, that's easier if you visualize things. So if you mm. have like a um, timeline where you put things in order. So I would suggest to try different methods <laughs> and to see mm. like, what works best for students. And mm. also really depends on the matter. Amazing combination. Sounds, yeah, sounds very familiar. So you're using <laughs> kinetic memory because you, when you draw and make bullet points yourself. Yes, exactly. Your muscles actually learn about doing the and the exercises and writing down. Another thing I learned is that you cannot remember anything in one or two days. You have to take time. You have to study like in a month. Maybe you start a month before the exam. You start to revise things. Um, Not because you have to learn everything one month before, but because the the brain needs time to concretize the information in the hippocampus. So try to start before, try to read and learn. Maybe relaxed. You don't know. You don't know. You don't need to rush. But mm. yeah, just build memory as you would build a house. Information after information after information after information. At at the end of the month, you will remember everything, because you know memory I is not. Like, <laughs> yeah, memory is not built in one days. It's in one or two days. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah, Rome was also not built in one day, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it's even a thing. I I love that. So build your memory like you were building a house or a city. Yes. Like in this case, <laughs> love that. I will remember that, by the way, now forever. <laughs> so, yes, thank you. It's it's really important. I think, yeah, one of the things um, that should be included in high school, for example, it's a course on how to study, how to build memory, how to pay attention, mm. how to find out where and when you are the most productive, for example, Because that's also another point. I mean, someone is more productive in the morning, someone um, at night. Yeah. And um, also knowing uh, physiologically how brains work uh, can be effective as well. Because after my bachelor degree, I know how memory works. But really, this knowledge really helped me to learn 
after like every other topics, for example. And that what I was saying with time and with um, rest also, like a muscle, you have to work on it, but also rest, work on it and rest. <laughs> mm. And that works efficiently. <laughs> also because in the hippocampus, the, um, uh, the information are, are concretized during sleep. So it's recommended mm. to revise topics before going to sleep. And then you just wait. And the next day you will remember something more than the, previ than the previous one. And doing that mm. for several days will help you a lot. Absolutely. I, I love everything you are saying. I, um, I have learned, um, I mean, I speak French and German in mm. addition to and some English as well. <laughs> and, uh, and Finnish, of course, Swedish. But uh, how, I, how I have learned uh, French and German by listening to some podcasts and, and stories just before going to sleep. It's amazing. Like you listen to like 15 minutes or half an hour. Next day, you feel like you speak that language. It's exactly. amazing. Yes. Yeah. And also for this reason, um, for the thing we were saying about sleep, it's really important to not um, try to do your best in one day. Like studying for eight, ten hours, it's not effective. I mean, you're just there uh, losing attention and trying to get to know everything, hoping that you will remember everything the, the next day. It's impossible. <laughs> just be present two or three hours a day and you're fine. With the concepts, I mean, mm -hmm. it's just a matter of um, scheduling really well what you're doing, mm -hmm. what you're studying day by day, and rest, rest your brain, <laughs> rest your brain, yes, rest your mind, mm -hmm. and, do not and it's also much more relaxing, isn't it? I mean, yes. if it's like, uh, let's say, if he anyways can only learn like few hours a day, then let's do that. I mean. Then everything else is, of course, you can still be attending lectures and uh, and socializing and everything like that. But but really intensive. Like now, I'm learning for the exam. Yes, it's exactly. not even possible to do more. So <laughs> why to do more? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, uh, about learning, I want to ask. Look, uh, what did you learn last time? Uh, did you learn it, learn it online or? By reading a book, or how did you learn it? I've learned uh, a few things in these days um, through books or um, lectures at the School of Innovation. Uh, in books, uh, in a book I'm reading, I learned about uh, like parenting in a more psychological uh, perspective, but. Uh, that's a bit too hard to explain. So I will tell you about what I learned in the School of Innovation because that's um, really nice to know for everyone. Because I was attending a marketing class and our professor explained the job to be done theory and methodology. That is a framework used in uh, innovation and marketing, but in my opinion, can also be used in research, generally speaking. And it's a perspective on why customers buy products. This theory that's called the job to be done says that people do not buy products. They hire them to do jobs, such as solving or avoiding problems, fulfilling, uh, fulfilling desires, accomplishing tasks, achieving goals, make progress in life and so on. And on YouTube, you can find a video, like an, an interview by the founder of this theory that's called Clayton Christensen from the University of Harvard, where he explains why customers hire a milkshake in the morning, for example. Do you want to spoil it for you or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's let's totally spoil it. <laughs> I'm going to spoil it then. <laughs> For uh, Clayton, that's the founder of this theory, uh, and the, his team, uh, the job of the milkshake in the morning um, before work 
was the same for every person he interviewed. These people were uh, all workers with a long, boring drive to work. So they needed something to do while they drove to work <laughs> to keep the car ride interesting. And if people do not have anything to hold in the other hand while driving, uh, they would get bored. So um, um, this is one job, just to have something to do. And the other job is uh, to not get hungry in the morning, like... You know, at 10 o'clock when you feel that um, you are a bit hungry because you had uh, breakfast three or two, three hours before. And so um, they wanted to mitigate that hunger um, with this milkshake because the viscosity of the milkshake does um, these jobs better than um, other competitors. And in this case, the competitors were like, um, bananas, bagels, chocolate bars, um, coffee, donuts, and so on. And he mm. says, um, he explained, in the video, he explains why these competitors are not very good against the milkshake. And the moral of the story, <laughs> what I really learned, is that if you really understand the job to be done of the products, interfaces, tools, and so on, um, how to improve these products become very obvious. If you know that the milkshake mm. is not chosen because it's good, but because it's because has it has this viscosity, now you have you know what to do. You know what people are not buying coffee. You know uh, what they are not buying breakfast, for example. And that's mm. really nice to know because that's another point of view. <laughs> Hey, thank you for sharing. Now, now I also learned it, and now all the <laughs> listeners also learned the um, job to be done. Exactly, the job to be done theory. And yeah, that makes totally sense. I didn't know about it. I mean, I had no idea. I mean, but now when you explain it, um, I became a big fan of this theory. <laughs> yes, it's like um, a way to research about needs, but uh, not really asking about needs. <laughs> I mean. If I ask you, why do you buy a milkshake? The first thing is because it's good, because it, it tastes good. But that's not the job your milkshake is doing. So you have to dig deeper in this. And in marketing and in research, this theory can really help. That's amazing. Now I have to think about <laughs> everything <laughs> through that lens. And also, it's actually the the same idea of design thinking. I mean, uh, I don't know if you know this example of the of the brick. Maybe Kahneman um, was talking about that. That what is the job the brick does? A brick, like it can build mm. a house, but can also like mm. uh, press against paper, like keep paper on your desk. For example, mm -hmm. if there is wind. Or it can also be uh, somewhere you can sit, or it can also be like, uh, I don't know, it can be everything. And it, that's the job the brick is doing. And it can be very different from user to user, if you think about that. Mm -hmm. Makes totally, <laughs> totally sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, there is so many things, uh, aspects. Um, you mentioned design thinking. I was also thinking about like, like different lean kind of... Um, approaches like uh, who who will find this product useful or service useful exactly. and, uh, yes and when exactly and uh, everything can be now looked at through that lens it's really Makes nice. totally sense mm. thank you now i know what i will be checking <laughs> next videos like <laughs> all these videos and uh hey uh final question um so um i asked this uh, from all uh, guests. So, uh, as you know, uh, the podcast is Cloud Reachers. So, mm -hmm. reaching out some dream or cloud, some online, something that should be done, but perhaps it's not yet here. Um, so, um, in your mind, um, who can be this kind of cloud reacher, or which can be organization or or a person, group of persons, anything? Um. That's a pretty hard question because uh, nowadays I try to keep on track with 
progress in terms of um, innovation and not with people or uh, organizations. But if I have to think about one person that is really creating innovation, uh, I would think about Elon Musk as an entrepreneur. I mean, I don't want to sound boring because <laughs> Elon Musk has uh, <laughs> its pros and cons. And we know everything he achieved, every type of um, investment he have done, like PayPal, Tesla, SpaceX, uh, Solar City, and he also owns a large part of Twitter. Um, but I think he's like this cloud reacher um, person in my mind because he presents himself as power as a powerful person, but also lets himself fail and retry with other projects. And I also observe, um, observe that every time he gains a lot of money for a project from a project, he reinvests them in uh, another project. And this is what mm. I admire in innovation, like not stopping at the first project because you are gaining money, but move on with other type of ideas. And that's why I think he uh, brings new ideas forward and try to see um, what's there for us in the future. And um, like, of course, he has some flaws <laughs> because sometimes he's willing to take personal risks and that's not really nice economically speaking because maybe he's wasting a lot of money in not very important projects. Also, he's a bit aggressive, uh, like he's dominant, <laughs> but I mean, he's like, a, nowadays it's a he's a character. I mean, uh, maybe he should mm. be there for some reasons. And I also observe that um, there's a lack of the diversity sometimes in his project because he, um, males are dominant in a lot of projects and for this reason um, a female perspective is missing but in general I think he's um, one of the people that really believe uh, believes in innovation and um, dreaming of something new in terms of gigantic projects mm. and I'm not always I'm not always agreeing with him <laughs> because I believe that he has also some borderline projects like Neuralink. Mm. Neuralink is um, a brain computer interface that I, I brought to an ethics exam I had an exam on ethics I had last year and I went against his theory of um, having this narrow link implanted in our heads to make everything more um, usable. Mm -hmm. I went against that idea and uh, my thesis was the complete opposite because I think that this aspect should be um, researched a lot more uh, than uh, what we have nowadays, meaning that right now we are not really ready for this type of um, innovation because in my thesis, it was a bit ex extreme, <laughs> but my thesis during that exam, uh, the ethical exam, uh, regards the possibility of brain-computer interfaces, in particular, affective brain-computer interfaces to, of course, collect our brain data, but also to modify them. And that's unethical for me. I have a whole theory around that, but <laughs> I think that's a bit too much <laughs> for this podcast. Yeah. Hey, please. Is it in Italian or English? It's in English, actually. English. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Perhaps if you can share it to me, like. <laughs> yes, of course. It's, I, I would like uh, to check it because I'm I'm super interested in in um, Neuralink and and I I totally agree with you. Yes. yes. Neuralink was, Neuralink was just um, an example of affective brain-computer mm. interface um, just because now um, Elon Musk and 
his team are creating Neuralink for uh, people with disabilities. But in the, the website, yeah. if you look in the website, it's written then that they would like to expand this idea to everyone. And it's a bit scary mm. <laughs> if you think about that. But yeah, I will send uh, my thesis about that. Uh, it's a bit drastic <laughs> because I came to the to the point of like if you have a brain computer interface, an affective brain computer interface in your brain, and this interface, if this interface could actually modify your brain waves, then mm. um, everything that rotates around um, moral choices breaks down. And it's a bit extreme, I know, but I wanted to make my point really strong. <laughs> <laughs> and and you totally made it already. I mean, now in this uh, podcast, I mean, this has been amazing. And uh, you are there is a, you are a total cloud reacher in in my mind. You are. Thank you so much. I mean, we are safe. We have a safe future if you and your peers are building the new, um, you know, future and and. Uh, new memories, new buildings, new cities. Thanks. <laughs> for all of us. Thank you so much. Hey, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Um, Thank you for inviting me. I cannot wait to listen to it like when it will be online. <laughs> I don't know if yes, I have like the courage to listen to my own voice. <laughs> That's another point. Um, yeah, but it's... Um, <laughs> You know, it's for listeners, so we don't yes, have to. <laughs> we can skip it. That is you and me. So, uh, but others can. Uh, others will absolutely enjoy this conversation. I'm, I'm yeah, sure about it. Um, Thank you so yeah. much for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Um, this was it. Um, see you next time. This was Claude Richards and Tommy Kaupinen. Ciao.